Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. And this week, we're taking a closer look at the Georgia Senate race and the attacks on Reverend Raphael Warnock's faith and how clergy are responding. Reverend Warnock is a senior pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church. That is the storied church of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his father. Reverend Warnock has been the senior pastor since 2005. Earlier this year, he decided to run for office and is hoping Georgians will put him in the United States Senate. Nearly 800 religious leaders from around the country have endorsed Reverend Warnock in his race against Republican nominee Kelly Loeffler. They are condemning the political ads that her campaign and her surrogates are running that attack his faith and the black church. One of the 25 religious leaders from Georgia who signed the public letter is Reverend David Key. He is the founder of the Lake Akani Community Church between Atlanta and Augusta, Georgia. It's also home to what Key describes as a purple congregation. Key was the director of Baptist studies at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University. He's also been active in ecumenical and interfaith councils in Georgia for nearly two decades, and he's no stranger to religion and politics. He understood that when Reverend Raphael Warnock decided to run for Congress, that undoubtedly his sermons would be scrutinized. But how it's being manipulated and turned into attack ads? For Key, it's going too far. Because of his credentials and because of his multiple decades of preaching, uh, there's lots of material there uh, for folks to be able to look through and to try to find things that they can weaponize. A lot of it is pulled out of context, uh, and in pulling out of context, uh, they try to make it sound more horrifying. You can hear some of the attack lines in this exchange from the nationally televised debate between Warnock and Loeffler on December 6, 2020. You know, my opponent, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, has called police officers gangsters, thugs, bullies, and a threat to our children. When I gave him the chance to apologize in our first debate, he declined. He's also said that you can't serve God and the military. He's used the Bible to justify these types of attacks and make other divisive statements. I was preaching that day uh, from a very familiar Matthew text that says you can't serve God and mammon. It was a sermon about a moral foundation for everything that we do, and that when you have everything in order, that actually makes you a better soldier. It also makes you a better senator. I'm not going to be lectured by someone that uses the Bible to justify abortion, to attack our men and women in the military. He has called on Americans to repent for their worship of whiteness. That's divisive. That's hurtful. He's celebrated Jeremiah Wright, anti-Semite. He's actually called Israel an apartheid state. That is wrong for America. I have a profound reverence for life and an abiding respect for choice. The question is, whose decision is it? And I happen to think that a patient's room is too small a place for a woman, her doctor, and the U.S. government. I think that's too many people in the room. Uh, But those who are concerned about life, and I certainly am, ought to be focused on the incredibly high rates of infant mortality and maternal mortality in our country. If you want to know who informs me and my sense of how we engage uh, as people uh, in the economic system, uh, you need look no further 
than Matthew 25. I'm a Matthew 25 Christian. That's what I am. I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you visited me. Love your neighbor. And for me, that means you don't get rid of your neighbor's health care, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. They try to make it unpatriotic uh, and try to make it somehow anti-American. Uh, and I think if you look at the sermons as a whole, you would see it as a very Christian message coming from a perspective that we in America need to do better and that the Christian standards are calling America to do better. Uh, but because they kind of look at the sermon and find certain audio and video clips, they make it sound like it's unpatriotic. As a minister, I find it very disturbing that someone would literally go back through sermons and try to make uh, political points based off of someone's sermons. The reality is, if religious leaders are preaching in order to run for office at a later date, then they're probably doing pretty poor preaching in whatever religious tradition. It's not just Christianity. Instead, what should be happening is is you should be using your Holy Scriptures and look at a comparison between your Holy Scriptures and society as a whole and making the conversations as to how do you play out as a person of faith in society today. And some of that is countercultural. Uh, whereas others of it may be supportive of the culture. So the countercultural pieces would not probably be politically popular. And yet there's plenty in all of our religious traditions that calls us to be countercultural in how we should live. And when people use that as a political advantage against you, they don't fully embrace the role that that plays. Mm. And they see it as just another speech where you can dissect the speech and make political points off of it. When you step away and look at the demographic shifts and you have a population that is unfamiliar with the theological context, it is almost like it makes it ripe for some creative advertising and manipulation of words. Correct. I mean, I I do think it's a very fertile field for that. I think we as a society have a lot that we need to deal with in relation to social media and the dynamics of constant recording now. In times past, a preacher preaching a sermon would have been for those who had gathered. It would have been for that community, you know, limited to in their boundaries. Well, now, thanks to the Internet, anything can be posted and from there taken out of context. And the reality in preaching to the dynamics around Atlanta, Georgia, uh, might come across very differently if you're living in New York City or San Francisco, California or Chicago, Illinois, you may not fully understand uh, why that preacher's talking about those dynamics. Reverend Warnock has always been a leader here in Georgia uh, on a variety of issues. Race would not just be one of them, but on a variety of issues. He's always had a uh, prominent role and we know him as a clergy person And I personally respect him as a clergy person. Uh, He's an outstanding Baptist minister. And I think he would bring uh, some fascinating perspective to places of power like the U.S. Senate. And hopefully we'll be able to give words of prophetic uh, dynamic there within the halls of uh, Congress. Are religious leaders speaking out about the the rhetoric in Georgia politics that have elected officials in the Republican Party worried and afraid about their safety because an enemies list is being posted on the dark web? No, they have not spoken out uh, in the way they should and need to, and they should speak out. I've seen in the news there are people who are advocating violence against public figures. 
This would be folks in the Republican Party going against Republican leaders. Secretary of State in this situation, I know the governor was attacked as well. There were some elections of people that were done. There were even young young adults that I understand that were threatened um, doing their job. So it, it wasn't just the top line that was attacked. It was going further into the bureaucracy, going down the line. The people got attacked for just doing what they were supposed to do. I think that's wrong. I think that's really wrong. And I think religious leaders of all stripes need to speak out against that. A lot of religious leaders get really nervous when the political landscape becomes something that's unsafe. For some, they don't feel like this is their audience uh, because they may be from a more liberal perspective and they don't feel like they have anything to say to the more conservative. So in some ways, this ball really falls into the court of the conservative clergy who have the ears and the voice within that community that really need to be speaking out. Mm. And we have not heard from them at this point. Reverend Key, I understand that you have signed a statement condemning the attacks against Reverend Warnock and also affirming your support of him as an individual, obviously not on behalf of your congregation. And I understand that's a first for you to publicly do so. Can I ask you to just talk for a moment about why you felt that you needed to do that, particularly given the climate that you've just described? Well, I, we just felt like there were dynamics that are attacking the perspective of Reverend Warnock in ways that just cross the line. And, uh, and and I would say the same thing if somebody was attacking Kelly Loeffler's religious tradition or David Perdue's religious tradition, and then John Offsauce as well. There comes a point that uh, speak about the issues, speak about your differences on the issues, but do not be attacking someone's Sunday morning activities or Saturday or Friday, whatever the religious tradition may be, that you're not attacking their practice and what they perceive as being deeply part of their spiritual and religious life. That's crossing a line that we really should not cross. As the pastor of a Purple Church, are there any tips or suggestions you have on that challenge of moving forward? Well, I think two words that I often advocate in a variety of settings. One is the word trust and building trust within a group. I think elections sometimes break that down. And I think with social media, people are like, oh, it was deceptive. And all kinds of conspiracy theories have broken down trust. And so one of the things I'm really pushing hard is to rebuild trust, both within the church and in the community. And it's a real thing that I'll be advocating in the days ahead. And then the other word is respect learning to respect people, even if they differ from you, and listening to them and realizing that they come with a different perspective than what you come from. Uh, And then hopefully folks, if you have the respect and the trust, then hopefully folks can truly love each other and transcend any kind of ideological uh, division that may be there. That was Reverend David Key, founder of the Lake Akani Community Church in Georgia. Coming up, we meet the founder of the New Moral Majority. A political action committee that's hoping to build a core of clergy to not only speak out and challenge the manipulation of faith in politics, but also to support candidates and endorse them, those at least who reflect their moral center. Stay with us. We'll be back after this short break. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. If you missed any portion of this program and you want to listen to the full episode, just head over to interfaithradio.org where you can learn more about us, subscribe to our newsletter, and stream the podcast. We'll be right back. Stay with us. (laughs) 